yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, Chaz. Happy Thanksgiving, David Lee Scales, and happy Thanksgiving to all our beautiful listeners. I am grateful to be here. Grateful for them. Yes. Do you think uh, this podcast will be listened to in the teeth of traffic on the busiest travel day of the year? I bet it will. Do you think it'll provide relief or do you think it will frustrate people, (laughs) (laughs) provide extra aggravation? Can it be both? I mean, I feel so. Start with relief. Hey, I'm glad this episode's here. Get midway through, hear how asinine we are. Imagine you're a wife and you're in traffic and your husband just happens to put it on. Like, how frustrated would you be? Not only are you stuck in traffic, you're listening to us. Yeah, so we were giving advice about you can surf. Once you have a baby, you should get out of the house and surf. More advice. Don't make your wife listen to us. Ever. Ever. Or kids. Period. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, what age is appropriate to listen? Man, I think like 48, maybe, because the starting age is the appropriate... I think we got a window from 48 to like 52. Yeah, that's... Once you become 52 and you're actually wise, 48, you're still real cynical. You're pissed about the things that you never achieved in your life. You're angry about your living in the suburbs, you're in debt, and then it's like by 52, you're like, I don't give a... Yeah, so that's it. That's the window. That's the listening window. Yep, perfect. All right, well, we got a little demographic. Which advertisers want? Do we have any erectile dysfunction medication companies that want to advertise? Um, I get, I get, uh, email DMs, emails all that, like every week This just like, you guys are like, I can't believe, you know, telling people not wearing shorts or white tennis or like, you guys give such terrible advice. I'm like, dude, the idea that you ever took us seriously, in the, like I'm, how many episodes did you listen to where you were actually taking our advice? And then we got to the one about shorts and that's what made you, you know, whatever. The sh- the sh- so fun. There's war on shorts. I wore my white shoes today. My I favorite. Know, you sure did. Yeah. My favorite shoes ever right here. Those are pretty good. So pressures. what are they exactly? Nike air pressures. Remember okay. the big bla- bladder? Okay. okay. Yeah. But if I just put Nike air pressure, those are the ones that are going to pop up. There's yep. not going to be 10 different versions. Nope, that's from, the air oh, pressure. Okay, yeah, cool. Easy. They come in a big like plastic box with the pumps in the lid. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those don't qualify as white sneakers based on last week's They don't? Well, they've got gray. They've got red. Well, that's true, but they're S- predominantly white. They, they are, but that's different than the look that I was trying to convey, okay. which I didn't do a great job. You of were talking about, I, f- I mean, I know, knew what you had in your mind. You were talking about what you posted on... Uh, Surf Splendor on oh. the on the. Did I post it? I think you posted okay. a picture of it's okay. like a, or maybe somebody DM'd me. Somebody DM'd me like three. That was the it. guy who okay. submitted the question. Yes. was like, hey, for clarification, you that guys got it. it right, but for clarification, here's the three looks that I was kind of going for. That's what I was thinking too. That's what I had in my mind. What he sent. It is a streetwear look. It's yeah. like skinny jeans, but then like completely whited out sneaker. Sneaker. Yeah. Yeah. So those don't count. Don't count, but they're cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, did you flip off any waves this week? I didn't, but I saw Mark, uh, McGinnis's I know. photo was epic. That made me rethink the whole thing because it was such a good looking Mark McInnes, famous photographer, great guy. But he, I thought was in the image. He was, he was oh, flipping okay. the yes, wave off. Yes, yeah. Yes, it was yes. a picture of him flipping the wave off, but the image was so good. So striking yeah. that it made me reconsider. Cold water surf photographer. Yep. And uh, so I presume that is in the North Pacific Northwest. Yep. Probably that image was taken. 
and it's him sitting on the shoulder of a perfectly barreling wave, heavy offshore winds. So it's got some ripple on it, but um, I don't know. He didn't say who took the image. It's a, but it's a, it's such you a striking some image. background. So it looks it, cold. So maybe it's okay to flip waves off in the Pacific Northwest or in cold water. Also, if you're not on the wave. Yeah. Because when somebody submitted that barrel or not, I envisioned it as... Clo- the waves closing out in front of you. Yeah, you're on your feet flipping off the yeah. wave that you're currently riding. This yeah. was Mark on the shoulder flipping it off because it's like, I should have been in that. Like, yeah. uh, you know, Why didn't you wait one for going me, to waste. Yeah. Exactly. But I think the aggression of the flip-off uh, matches the, like, cold Pacific Northwest or cold East Coast. Like, that aggress- aggressive move matches tone there right where if you're flipping off a wave in the tropics i think the the flip off is way too aggressive for the for the environs well there's also the fact of if you're standing on the wave and you don't make the section or it closes out there's actual aggression that you're feeling towards it whereas i feel like mark's given that he's not on the wave was more of like a jovial flip off yeah or like you dumb bastard wave why didn't you wait for me Right. Why did you break there? Right. I'm so mad at you right now. Yeah, but they're still friends. Sure. You yeah. Know, it's, it's a joshing around kind of buddy thing. If that, but picture that photo in the tropics where he's tan in trunks. There's an emerald green True. wave. It wouldn't, and he's flipping it off. It would seem like, oh, whoa, you're not too gra- much. Yeah. You're not grateful enough for the fact that you're in trunks yeah. in the tropics and there's a barreling wave. Exactly. Yes, it does. It mm-hmm. feels egregious. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. Whereas in, you were in the cold water environs, you worked hard. You, man, you ground out in there. Yeah. Go ahead. You're entitled to it. Um, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Just home, cool. friends, family. You having easy. friends over to the house? You yeah. guys hosting? Yep. Hosting cool. couple families and yeah, hopefully it'll be easy. I, I perpetually try to push a Thanksgiving meal into a real meal time, not this artificial 2 p.m. thing. Great question here. Man, I load that. So I always try to kick it into as far as I can into dinner. So I think... Sabotage the oven so the turkey's not ready on time? Basically. But uh, yeah, like, so I think we'll be doing it at 5 p.m. I keep, I feel I get it later and later every year. Is uh, 5 p.m. an acceptable dinner hour? I mean, I think that's the earliest possible acceptable dinner okay. hour. Like that is the bare minimum acceptable dinner hour, okay. right? Like... If it was my druthers, uh, I'd eat Thanksgiving dinner at seven or eight. Me too, except the idea is to spend a bunch of time with family. Sure. So if people come over that late, then it's kind of a regular dinner party. Snack. I mean. So yeah. invite them over early. And invite them over early. Have, okay. have some great snacks set up, right? Some good cocktails. Like just, I don't understand this weirdo 2 p.m. thing. It is very weird. Why like, do we do that? Whoever eats at 2 p.m. ever. Like yeah. late lunch I get, right? If you're out and about and you're having a late lunch at 2. But planning your whole day around this 2 p.m. meal is so bizarre. It totally screws up breakfast, it right? Uh, it can't really, eat lunch. You can't eat lunch. It's like the middle ground there is, of course, snacky. But then by the time you get to the meal, you're like, you've been basically eating all day completely yeah you're grazing which though so even if you do it at five you can't offer them snacks before the meal but you do offer them cocktails yeah so 2 p.m arrival heavy cocktails for three hours yep nice and then sit down at dinner yep completely drunk perfect there we go that's the solution i mean that and everybody's super thankful at that point love you man you're allowed three cashews every 30 minutes yep oh man nut lunch is the setting out nuts i mean 
Nut as meal replacement is truly awful to begin with, but having nuts as part of the grazing experience is such an awful idea. Like why? You're just like filling up on heavy nuts. No, what I love about it is salt. Sure. Cocktails and salt. It's true, but then the problem is you go eat too many. Yeah. Too many nuts. Yeah. Then you have nut lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I was unaware of nut lunch yeah, as nut, a concept. Um, imagine how you feel after you've accidentally eaten enough nuts to make up a meal. Picture how your belly feels. Picture how your overall energy is. I don't think I've ever got filled up by nuts. Really? Yeah. Oh. I think maybe I have um, a nut governor. Yeah, I mean, you might. An internal <laughs> nut governor. <laughs> That limits the amount of nut intake. I have, I have like, if nuts are there, especially like a smoked almond, you know, that almond with the like smoky salt on it. Mm -hmm. I will like down a whole can before I know it. My governor is straight broken. Have you had, I don't think you have a lot of governors. (laughs) You're governor free. Um, Have you had the ones, I think maybe Blue Diamond makes them, the wasabi soy almonds. Oh yeah. So good. What's your, what is your favorite? Speaking of like a uh, bar snack, like the, uh, if you're going to set cheese, some, really meat and cheese, it's a meat classic. and cheese. Yeah. Your favorite bar snack though. What if, what if you're at a bar and they bring out the little tin of popcorn of yep. nuts of, <sighs> yep. It's a good question. I'm always real pleased when they have those like kind of fried, uh, potato chip cheese crisp things. Okay. Like, yeah, those are good cheese puffs. Yeah, big it's not a of. classic though. I mean, not not the puff. The like, uh, it's like when you cook cheddar on your or making a grilled cheese sandwich and the cheese oh, that falls yeah, off yeah. into the pan, like the real crispy. Yeah, it's like a Parmesan crisp. Exactly, Parmesan crisp. Essentially, yeah, yeah those are delicious. Precisely. They sell those in a bag nowadays. Yeah, I know they're really good. That's lack of governor. I don't even dare buy because I would down that whole thing. Me too. Those things are good, but the packaging says that it's not as bad. Like it's all health related. Yeah. It's like, oh, these aren't as Thirty percent less fat than chips or yeah. whatever. It's comparing itself to terrible items, yep. so it looks better, but it's still unhealthy. Not as bad as Cheetos. Yeah. Okay. Uh, back to Thanksgiving foods. How do you feel about the baked brie? Oh, loved baked brie. Man, so good. I don't see, see it often enough. But this is the problem. Like you roll a baked brie out pre-meal, yeah, and then it's just like, who wants to eat anymore? Like there we have it, baked brie. Well, how do you? F- what I mean. It, like, give me any kind of warmed cheese, a queso dip, well, a and anything. Anything baked in a pie crust yeah. also, or a puff pastry. Totally true. The best. Double down. Let's do a, a queso Yep. wrapped in a pie crust. Oh, that perfect. could be incredible. I mean, I would just think how good it would be. We need to seal it somehow, but I'll, I'll work on it. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about Thanksgiving meal? Well, here's the thing. I used to loathe it so much. I used to hate every part of it. Uh, as I've pushed it further and further to dinner, I've also pushed my enjoyment of it more and more where now the only thing I dislike is the turkey itself. Hmm. I like stuffing, like mashed potatoes and gravy, like sweet potatoes, like candied sweet potatoes, like green beans and bacon. Like I like all the staples at this point. I just don't like turkey. So I've also made a decision in my life, adult man now, I don't need to eat turkey. The rest of this makes a good enough meal. It's a good point. Yeah. So I don't eat the turkey. Um, I agree. Like it's not my favorite meat. I like chicken far better than turkey. The pig is the greatest of all the animals. 
um, and beef I would prefer as well. So yeah, it's not my favorite, but I like it as part of a Thanksgiving meal. We're having a uh, Japanese family over, and so we'll have a full Japanese sushi thing going alongside the turkey, which, so I'll just opt in, pick and choose. My family does that for Christmas Eve. It's great. Yeah, alongside. Do you guys make? No. It's always catered. Yep. My mom will make everything else, the other traditional things, but then uh, have sushi on the side. When you're when you're at a fancy buffet, uh, like a good Las Vegas one, like at the Win or whatever, right? Not the cheap one, but like the eighty dollar buffet with lobster and whatnot. Do you curate yourself a good meal? Um, speaking of not having governors, no. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's impossible. I've got prime rib on the same plate as sushi, as crab legs, as eggs Benedict. I look at people who do that well, like, and I think, why can't I do that? I honestly go and just fill my plate up with everything I like, yeah. which is, yeah, a piece of carrot cake yep. on top of a, yeah, Completely. cream cheese lox bagel yep. next to a giant plate of mashed potatoes and gravy. Like, and I get back and I look at it and I think I love all these things, well, but why couldn't I have any control at all to like either eat one at a time or build a meal around the thing that's best, right? Like crab legs or lobster in these fancy ones are always there. That's a sort of a rare treat. Yeah. So why not build my meal around? Why not? I can get an eggs Benedict sometimes. Uh, sometime else. Yeah. Well, cause you got to get your 80, 80 bucks. <laughs> that's what it really comes down to is that, plate looks like an equation to me. <laughs> I'm just like, all right, I got eight bucks back there, $3 back there. You know, uh, I'll do it with drinks too. Yeah. I'm like, I'll have an orange juice and a coffee. You yep. know what? Bring a glass of champagne as yep. well. Exactly. I need a water. Yep. Make it sparkling actually. Cocktail. Yeah. Like, oh man. And then like, I'm like drinking sips of everything. It's honestly like, gives me anxiety at this point to go into a fancy buffet just cause I know I'm going to blow it so badly. And I, I can't yeah. stop it. It's not like I can think going in, you know, you're going to blow this. Just sit on one thing, like get some crab and what goes with the crab, right? Like salad goes with the crab. So maybe get a salad yeah. and you know, what else complements that? Stop, yeah. stop there. I nope. guess you can get your 80 bucks back in crab alone. Sure. Just I mean, that'd be the, that'd be the smart play is just yeah. fill up on crab. Yeah, it would be. Uh, th but this is also the reason I don't go to those buffets anymore. I know. I'd rather spend $80 on a meal curated. Some, somebody else has to curate it for me. They the should, chef. they should offer at those fancy buffets, a meal curator who like you tell them what you like or her, what you like, then they do the buffet line for you and build your plate. I think that's just called a regular restaurant. <laughs> like, you go in, the chef had an idea. He put it all on a menu. <laughs> You know, or they do prefix menus. You can get that. Oh man. So yeah, they already solved our problem. Yeah. I like eggs Benedict and I like gravy. I'm going to put gravy on my I eggs know, Benedict. I know. Um, back to the Thanksgiving meal. It is one of my favorite meals that I only have once a year. Yeah. And there's a number of those like chicken pot pie. Yep. Is the greatest thing. Ever. So great. And I only eat it once a year. Do at you, most. Do you make chicken pot pie? No. I'll like, I'll remember that I like chicken pot pie. And so then I'll seek them out for a while. I'll oh, go really? through, I'll go through. I recommend it. I recommend for those out there who like a pot pie, find a, a pot pie maker that you enjoy and go back to the trough. Okay. Yeah. Well, a family member brought us over a large one because we got the baby in the house. Oh, so yeah. she's like, oh, I'll make you a meal and you can freeze half of it or whatever. 
I've been gorging myself on it. How good is it though? It's I, the best. Pot pie is, is one of those meals that's better day two. Oh yeah. Better even day three. Totally. Uh, other meals. What about stew? I do, I do make stews throughout this time of year, like fall, winter. So, and crock I love pot. them. What? Do you crock pot it? Um, no, I generally do like the Le Creuset, which is essentially, yeah. a, but it's not on a timer or anything. It's a Dutch oven. Actually, it's not a crock pot. Um, fish and chips. Yeah. I have that once a year. Yep. And when I have it, I go, this is the best Amazing. thing I've had all year. I don't yeah. know why I don't eat this all the time. You know? What about gyro sandwiches? Phenomenal. Also one. I don't encounter them that often, yeah. I think is the problem. I found yeah. a gyro place by me, so I'll go I'll go hit the gyro up. Smart. Fairly regularly. Smart. See, that's the thing is you got to go find, like remember when you're remembering, when you're eating it and thinking, this is so delicious, why don't I do this more often? Google, gyro near me. Find find your gyro spot. Find your pot pie. I, I want a pot pie spot. I don't yeah. have one. I bet like uh, that could be an amazing chain. A pot pie doesn't exist yet. I know, just handheld pies. It's and it oh. wouldn't be limited to chicken. They could I do mean, the Australian thing is the best ever. The Australian right, the, the, the idea yeah. of the Australian pie, but there's no. I think there's one off pie like Australian pie places in the states that I've seen. But there was one in Venice? Costa Mesa. Yeah, right next to Sidecar Donuts yes. for a long time. The Australian pie place. I don't know if it's still there or not. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah. Uh, English people too. They have the pasties, Pies. right? I, I, I mean, I honestly, in Australia, it was one of my favorite parts of living there was just pie for breakfast, pie yeah. for lunch, pie for dinner. Yeah, it's a great idea. Veal pie. Handheld. Yeah. Handheld is the key. There. Ketchup. A little squirt of ketchup on I that veal pie. I prefer gravy. Ooh, yeah. Gravy. Dip it in gravy. Um, gravy. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's meal. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Well, are uh, you, are you to, uh, 2 PMing? Yes. And, and is it, are you going out or coming in? We're going to Lauren's family's house. Okay. And yeah, I think she said, come over at two dinners at three or whatever. Yeah. And I, yeah, I had the same exact thought. I never, ever thought about vocalizing this yeah. discontent, yeah. but I had the same thought, which was, well, when do I eat lunch or what do I do for breakfast? I guess I'll just like eat like at 11. Dude. And I know there's going to be a listener who calls in and says, or DMs and says, you know, the best part is then you're hungry at, you know, the mid, the, 8 p.m. snack of turkey and stuff like that, but which is all fine and good, but it's not as satisfying as just eating they're a wrong. dang meal. Yeah, they're wrong. I'm I'm not hungry enough at 8 p.m. for a meal. It's just a snack, yep. and it throws everything out of whack. Yep. And if you just eat a snack, then then you wake up starving in the morning. So yeah, I think I think we've communicated our discontent. Uh, is there is there football at Lauren's family's house? Probably, yeah. Like just on on passively. We were over there the other day and they had it on like a college game on. So definitely they'll have it on okay. for Thanksgiving. Does does dad, brother, whoever sit in front and yeah. hoot and holler? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I stay away. Yeah, I'm not against it. Like I grew up playing. I loved playing. I just yeah. don't really have a need to watch it, mm. you know? Um, have you reassessed your opinion on Waikiki since the Reno Abelera story? Broke? Nope. Still in. Don't stink and sleep in your car in the parking lot and or be addicted to methamphetamine. I thought, first of all, too soon. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez, going hard on Reno. Well, right I now. mean, I didn't I didn't mean that about Reno specifically. I mean oh, if, oh, if oh, like oh. I I suppose I did okay. exactly mean it about him specifically accidentally. But um yeah, but I mean I Reno. heard he was on a park bench, not his car. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Um Bummer. so don't do that. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Um 
what's the backstory? So what is the backstory then? You're talking, you're making some bold claims right now. I mean, Tell I think, me what the backstory is. I think. What happened to Reno? I, Reno got, I think the news is scant, right? But for those who don't know, Reno Abalera, iconic surfer, uh, Hawaiian surfer, pipe surfer of the well, one, mid 70s? Yeah, I'd say 70s. Um, 80s? A preeminent figure in the shortboard revolution. Yes. So when the shortboard was first really taken off, he was one of the guys who yeah. was um, surfing it the way that it was designed to be surfed. Everybody else was riding, coming off of larger boards and kind of trying to apply that to shortboarding. Reno was riding his like a skateboard. Yeah. Epic, epic to watch. Very much worth going in and finding old footage of Reno and watching. He was EOS.surf. Yeah. EOS Encyclopedia of Surfing has great stuff. Sign up. Re, uh, yeah. Subscribe. I think he's doing a member drive this next month. Well, sweet. So, yeah. Sign Get in up. early. EOS. Uh, anyhow, though. So, I think he has notoriously had a drug problem throughout his life. Um, and yeah, I think who knows. I think so, he was actually, it was. Um, publicized he did jail time for dealing cocaine in yep. the 90s i yep. think it was 1993 yep and i think he's had <clears throat> problems with other drugs too and yeah so i don't know what it was but it seemed like from comments and from the general tone of the story that it somebody's i think somebody said that he had been homeless for a while and living in the park or something and yeah like and then got beat up and put in the hospital icu the story was, and I don't know, again, how much of this is verified or not, that he was attacked while he was sleeping. Yeah, that's what I've read and heard, too. Seems like there's more to it. Uh, if it is that random, then you have to change your mind about Waikiki. Well, it is true. I mean, the but, you know, it's the same way that it makes me sad about, like, downtown Los Angeles and things. Like, these, these elements uh, of, you know, random people, like, random bad violence that's brewing up more and more it seems in certain cities is a total bummer but it doesn't make me feel any less about Waikiki I mean I feel awful for Reno I feel awful that that would happen like I can't imagine but I also wouldn't sleep on a park bench you know in Waikiki or downtown uh well there was plenty of times throughout history where you could sleep on a park bench in Waikiki and not be attacked yeah and there's also plenty of times where if you're uh, dealing drugs or living in that kind of element and engaging in, you know, maybe a drug deal gone wrong, then you get beat up. But the idea that you could just be randomly sleeping and attacked, I think is a flashpoint, you know, a turning point for Waikiki I don't or know. anywhere. I mean, it, it's like, but you're minding I, your own business. It is a huge bummer and nothing against that, but I still don't think it takes the shine, the sheen off of beautiful Waikiki. Yeah, I'd say it does. It turns it from a sheen to like a crystal. Um, Mess? Yeah, crystal <laughs> reflection. A glint off of a crystal that... Um, it really is a huge so, bummer, though. Uh, so let's actually, let's talk about his... Um, what Reno's kind of shortcomings. We talked about Reno. In, in addition to kind of the style of shortboarding that he was doing and the cultural influence that he had, he had a bunch of... Um, competitive success as well. I think yep. he finished four in the world as a junior. Mainly he was like winning everything as a junior. And, um, I think he finished fourth in the world at some point went on to be a really successful surfboard shaper. I, I remember talking to Maurice Cole and Maurice Cole was talking about when he went to Hawaii, he would ride Reno's boards specifically. Yep. You know? Um, 
And so Reno has this long career, but also we were talking last week about drugs in surfing and why is it that it's so pervasive and also the most kind of, um, in the biggest cultural influencers, the best surfers even are the ones who are kind of ravaged by addiction. And so I immediately thought of Reno when this story came up because I didn't think of him last week when we were talking about those examples, but I was like, you know, Reno fits that exact bill where he was this kind of uh, pioneer in a lot of different ways, but also fighting this addiction, ravaged by this thing. Did you ever meet Reno? Yeah. Yeah. I, what is your Reno story? <laughs> uh, I encountered him a number of times. He would come to the boardroom show, and I think it was like 2015 maybe, I invited him to be on the podcast. I was oh. just like, oh, dude, I'm a big fan. I would love to chat with you about the podcast. He was just dead serious with me, and he's like, what does it pay? <laughs> I was like, huh? He's like, what, what is it? I don't know. Like, what does it pay? Like, what are you just going to try to like uh, benefit off of me and my story? Yeah. What do I get out of this? I was like, well, I don't make anything off of it either. This is more just like a, <laughs> this is just like a way to tell a story for the surf community. I don't earn any money off of this. Do you even know what a podcast is? He's like, no. I'm like, they don't make any money. It's not a business thing, you know? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Everybody always asks me for stuff. I don't want to. To this day, I regret not paying him to do yeah. that interview. Like that interaction alone yeah, yeah. was indicator enough for me to pull out my wallet and start recording. How much? How much uh, do you think he would have charged? I it couldn't have been much. Hundred bucks. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's like uh, talk to my agent. You know, it'll yeah. be ten thousand dollars. Yeah. I think it was more just like yeah, cut me off a piece. Give me something. And and I could have said to him, I didn't have any advertising. But if I had advertising at yeah. the time, I could have been like, hey, I make this much money, I'll, I'll give, give you 10% yeah. of it or whatever yeah. it is, you know? And he would have been like, okay, that makes logical sense. Yeah. But the point is I wasn't offended by him saying that or asking that because I'm sure he's been taken advantage of, you know, lots of times over the decades, but I regret not having the yeah. foresight to be like, this guy's incredible. Like he, I need this on air. He really was dynamic. I, I met him a couple times on the North shore, like, oh, okay. uh, over, I think I'm, yeah, I can't remember where I was, but, uh, he was like dressed so crazily yes. flamboyantly. Yes. Uh, it was just like a wild, like he was so mercurial where I think, uh, to back to your point about, you know, why do these figures, be, I think what makes them so, I don't know, like boundary breaking also means probably no governor for drugs, right? Like where right. they're just like this giant flame. That's the thing. I think last week I even kind of implied like are drugs correlated to their being such an interesting personality? Like could they be that interesting personality without the drugs? And I don't think that that's actually accurate. I think it's their personality type, you know, that kind of fuels addiction, also fuels that uh, addictive desire to surf. But I, but I think there is like a window where the drugs and the personality and the whole thing work together and, you know, they make this person, but then True. Th there's no such thing as riding out of it, right? Like it's no. a, if you're going to stay on, that window doesn't stay open very long. Well, the other thing that I realized after last week, but also thinking about him was like individualism is what makes surfing great. Like we talk about, there's all these great characters in surfing, Joel Tudor. Yep. But if you go back in time, there's even more, you know, uh, Matt Archibald and like what, 
there's fewer now than there used to be. But individualism was what was interesting, is those people running full steam ahead at what they're doing. And so then this paradigm that we're living in now where you have everybody wants to make money off of it. They want to be a professional surfer. Well, there's very few brands that can really co-sign somebody running full steam. Yep. Because at some point they're going to diverge in their ideology. And I was thinking about like, okay, well, who is who does it successfully today? And I thought... Torin Martin and Need Essentials seems like the perfect synergy where it's like Torin personifies Need Essentials ethos as a brand. And so they can just connect and be like, we only need one athlete. You're our guy. And we're not worried about you stepping out of bounds because you so perfectly personify the brand, the brand, yeah. you know what I mean? But then once that brand gets bigger, and they have corporate, they have uh, shareholders and all that sort of stuff. Then it becomes very, very convoluted. And they're the only ones who can actually pay the paycheck that a world-class athlete wants to make. And that's why everything's become so homogenized. Did you see um, the Jake Burton documentary on HBO? I haven't, but uh, yeah, wife went up to the premiere and yeah. Does she like Jake Burton? Is she yeah the doc? Yeah. Um, I think she was in the doc. Did you see it? She wasn't in it. I was looking for her. Okay. Or maybe they interviewed her for it, but they didn't yeah. make the cut. Okay. Um, it's called Dear Writer. Yep. Is it good? It's fantastic. Yeah, I, I need to watch it. It's I mean, really good. I heard rave reviews. I loved it. Yeah. I didn't know a lot about Jake, and I didn't... I grew up skiing, you know, and I snowboarded for a few years, but I never really was a part of that culture, so a lot of this was new to me. Anyways, he kept coming back to individualism in the sport. And so he doesn't claim to have invented snowboarding, but for all intents and purposes, he pretty much created snowboarding and certainly the industry. And he then uh, earned a ton of money and became kind of this conglomerate that bought other companies and all this. Channel Islands. Yeah. And throughout all of that, um, made a couple of missteps along the way. And all of those missteps were stepping away from individualism. And... Um, you know, the snowboarding became a part of the Olympics, but they didn't rely on the core founders of the sport. And they missed, misstepped so significantly that they misspelled snowboarding on all of their advertising. They forgot the A in boarding, you know? And it's like, so the core industry is just looking at the Olympics going, you guys effed this up so bad, you can't even spell it correctly. You that, know? that war was a sweet one. When snowboarding, like, Surfing, when surfing went to the Olympics, there was no real, I mean, grumbles about how it didn't belong really, but no, nobody really stood up and beat the drum. Like no. snake and snowboarders like refused to go. Terry exactly. exactly. Refused to go. Terry that's, Hawkinson, legend. And that's part of the storyline yeah. in the documentary. But our analogy or our uh, comparable is the WSL and the way yeah. that WSL is misstepping now, you know, and us. And so, uh, that's what I was thinking about with Reno. That's what I was thinking about with the documentary where I always talk about for the WSL, for their competitions, they need to run everything, uh, not for my benefit, but for their own benefit. If they want to execute uh, selling this to more people and growing their business, they need to run all of their decisions through the filter of man and woman versus nature. Yep. Is this man and woman versus nature? So should we run an event in the wave pool? No, because it doesn't execute what surfing is at its core, which is man and woman versus nature. Should we have the ultimate surfer? No. What about Billy? 
documentary. Okay, yes, that fits. You did, know? You, did you watch the Billy Doc? I didn't make it through all of it. Yeah. Um, so I now have another, an addendum to that criteria. And this applies to all professional surfing, period. Media companies, individual surfers themselves, if you're going to do a vlog, whatever. And that is, uh, does it service individualism? Is it a step towards individualism or is it a step towards homogeneity? That's a great point. And if you run your uh, beach grit through focus on the individualism angle in this story, you will always succeed. So true. You know? I mean, case in point, uh, had a great story. Did you read it? J.P. Curry wrote about the uh, Scottish guy from the Hebrides who I, went and 16-year-old kid. 16-year-old uh, kid from Hebrides, like Scottish kid, right? Uh, goes out and just packed a beast at Nazare and doesn't even have like an Instagram account or anything. Just likes to go out and surf big waves just because that's what he likes to do. Amazing. Fantastic did, he, he, did he paddle it? Uh, I can't remember if he paddled or was Nick Von Rupp just posted a clip paddling and he's riding like a big paddle gun. I mean, if you've been to Nazare, it's a sick beach break. Yeah. And it's a lot of, it's like uh, a frames up and down the beach on the North North side of that lighthouse, but it's pretty heavy, you know? I mean, it's nowhere near as heavy as when it's big and they're towing it, but it's still like a frame head high barreling waves. And so Nick, posted a video clip recently of surfing one of those winter swells that's like not as big enough, not big enough to tow, but bigger than you and I would surf. Yep. So he's riding kind of a paddle gun and it's sick. Yeah. It's legit. So I'm wondering if that kid maybe was doing that kind of a, it seemed like his way was huge. Oh, okay. And so he must've been towing. It seemed like a good 60 footer or something. Mm. So, so he funded his own trip. Yeah. Got a ski crew yeah. together and went for it. It does his own thing and not for any kind of glory other than just, Doing it himself. Amazing. Yeah. 16 year old kid. Good. Lean individual. In, lean into individual. It. Well, almost every decision that you want to make to pursue a professional career in surfing is going to get away from that individualism. You know? I, I mean, that's the whole, like, uh, of course we can hammer on the WSL again and again and again, but the, and you know, what do you do when you're a league, but this squishing down of, you know, this formulaic business, but this is the problem. Now they have formulaic surfers. Like nobody on tour, uh, that's not true. Not not nobody, but way less people excite me on tour than used to used to excite me. And I don't think that's me, and I don't think that's just being old and grumpy. Well, I think that's true. It's totally true. Um, I would argue, like Idolo has individualism. You yeah, know, Gabriel in his Gabriel does. Yeah, I mean, there's but there used to. I feel the tour used to be where when I would watch surfing uh every heat almost not every heat but like many had a rooting interest individual in the heat right where yes. you knew maybe this guy doesn't surf as good as this guy or this girl doesn't surf as good as this girl but you know i like the way like the cut of the jib on this one right like how he lives like how she does stuff whatever and so but now like i don't know i just look at a heat draw and so few do even surfers even stand out you know where the problem is, is the fact that we know they're all going to show up for their heats. Yeah. <laughs> That's so all right. True. You know, I mean, how many times I remember going down to lowers, like dry, getting up early, driving down to lowers to watch the contest. And then just like Chris Ward doesn't show up. Chris yep. Davidson doesn't show up. Yep. Andy Irons doesn't show up. Yep. And it was because they had partied. And then you hear rumors on the beach. You're like, oh yeah, no, there was a crazy party last night. Yeah. And so it was 
The fact that he was first heat of the day, we all knew he wasn't going to show up. But don't worry, he'll show up next round and just smoke everybody. When was the last time a pro surfer flat out missed their heat? Not because of travel problems or COVID decade, related. Probably a decade. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah. When just Mick Fanning turned in Eugene yeah. for Mick, you know. Straight up missing heats. Um, so the other, the other reason why I think it's important to maintain this individual individualism is all those people we just named are the ones who progress the sport. They're all the, when you look back over history, they're the ones. And so if you take that element away and it becomes homogenized, progress slows. It's, it becomes these like little fractional moments of progress rather than these leaps and bounds that Reno was responsible for. Where do you, do you think that surfing has reached sort of max progress? No. Where do you think it, where do you think it goes? I mean, of course, no, nothing ever reaches max pro progress, but I mean, in terms of like a big leap and bound into something else. I, I don't know. Like our definition of progress is so narrow for so long. And so I look at somebody like Derek Hine riding friction, Finless. friction free, you know, and going two times faster than Felipe Toledo's going, Yeah, you know, that, that sort of stuff that's outside the box. And so people say that, um, oh no, but the, the hyper focus on the pointy thruster allowed this crazy progress. And it's like, well, only down this one path. Imagine if surf contests never even happened. Everybody would have kept pursuing all these other branches uh, as aggressively as everybody focused on this one little branch. So there would have been all this single fin, like, you know, the way that Torn Martin's focused on the mid length thing. And I don't know, Craig Anderson's focused on the hypto crypto thing. Those are all very different branches of surfing that had they been fully explored by a wide swath of people for 20 and 30 years, who knows where it would be right yep. now. So I think there's a lot of progress to be made um, in big waves uh, paddling. Like those boards are so limited because you need the volume to catch a wave they're limited to going straight once you're standing on the wave. And so I feel like there's a lot of progress that could be made in board design that would allow people to do turns, actually get barreled at spots, you know, that they can't. I remember uh, picking up Jamie O'Brien's YMA gun. It has like lead weights in the nose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thinking how in the world would you ever turn this thing? You can't. Yeah. The back to WSL missteps. Um, I saw that they, in the Big Wave Awards this year, which were rebranded as the Red Bull Big Wave Awards, got rid of the XXL title. They eliminated the wipeout category. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. It was like the best category. It was well, winning an award for, for a wipeout, though. I, well, so, so Bill Sharp, who used to run, who invented the Big Wave Awards and was running the Big Wave Tour, he was the general manager of the Big Wave Tour for the WSL. He's no longer there. And he was saying those are, that was the biggest category every year. And in terms of voting and stuff in terms of views. Oh yeah. Of course. In terms of views. One, and like the thing that ESPN licensed to play in, in there, whatever that is. Uh, what's that countdown show? Oh, the, yeah, whatever, whatever it is. Sports center. Yeah. Um, and so that's what everybody wants to watch. And literally 10 years later, they're still watching the wipeout reels. They're not watching the best ride from 10 years ago, you know? And so, why was that? There's no answer as to why that was eliminated. And the really the obvious answer is 
there's too much liability in it. I mean, that's what I was going to say. And like having people turn in clips of near death wipeouts. Yeah. It's probably a straight liability issue. And Bill said, we were always super delicate about how we, um, advertise those clips, talk about those clips, package those clips. In the instance of Maya Gabiera drowning at Nazare, we did, we elected to not publish that clip because it was too morbid, you know? Um, Andrew Cotton broke his back. We asked him, would you like us to submit this under the wipeout category? And he said, yes. He ended up winning that category and it used it to further his career. So, but we never make fun of the wipeout categories. We're never like celebrating it. So I can see the WSL now owning this thing and going, you know, there's no salt. Bill Sharp's out of the room. There's no salt in the room. And it's all corporate suits going, this is a liability for us. Yep. If we, quote, celebrate these things and somebody goes out next year trying to win this category and ends up dying, their family would then potentially sue us. You know what? It's all gray. Let's just... Erose, erase it completely. I mean, Bill, like you walking through, Bill, did you talk to Bill about that? No, Stab did an interview with okay. him. Okay, I mean, but just that whole thing of the nuance there and navigating that nuance. You need a surfer to totally. navigate it. And WSL, I could fully picture, though, if left in their hands, they put goofy music on, you yeah. know, no, 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 The clown music, yeah. <laughs> like the Mr. Bean or whatever and, that is. Yeah, and then, yeah, I mean... So it was probably better they killed it because if they know good enough that, well, we can't do, we can't do nuance well, so we're going to cut anything that has any nuance. It's a bummer for surfing, but it's better than that, that, than that they blow it. For them to protect their liability, it is better, but it's worse for them meeting their end goal, yeah, which is growing the business because that's the best example of this gets the most views. It's crazy that you cut the thing with the most views, like perpetually shooting self in foot, like all we're trying to do is grow this business. Okay, so what is our first move? Cutting the thing that gets the most views. And by the way, we all wipe out. Yeah. This is the, this is a essential part of surfing. Well, and it's been an essential part of surf film and surf, I mean, the surf experience. Endless summer so had it needs its wipeout represented reel. in yeah. films, yeah. you know. That would be the UFC saying no more knockouts. Yeah. Yeah. It's too brutal. Yeah. And you know, you might get hurt and you might get concussed. And uh, we need to protect our business interests. We can't, we don't want to be sued. No more knockouts, submissions only. I mean, that's truly what it is. It is it's totally right. <laughs> completely insane, right? The plot completely lost. Yeah. So again, run everything through man versus nature, woman versus nature, and also individualism. individualism. Period. I like it. Yeah. You fixed it. Reno. Yeah. Um. So then I thought... <laughs> Uh, that corporate interest, like surfers pursuing that corporate interest was what you and I experienced for the last 20 years. So the individual went away. There's no more corporate interest. Yeah. Those big companies aren't stepping up. So we have a renaissance of the individual. So is Ben Gravy Reno? Is Ben Gra modern day Ben Gravy what Reno was in the 70s? No, because uh, Ben's not progressing the sport at all. Ben is surfing tanker waves and stuff. So he is. That... Ben Novelty surfing. waves were never surfed before on soft tops. I mean, now they are. I suppose, There's progress over here. I suppose, but like, I feel the novelty wave thing has been around long enough 
where Ben did not, if Ben invented novelty wave surfing, then I'd, I'd give him something. He did in the way that Jake Burton invented quote unquote snowboarding. He ben invented, Gravy invented novelty waves. Uh, he really, he really has gone out of his way to go to middle America to ride river waves. Okay. So I was talking, uh, who was it? I was talking to just someone just yesterday who, uh, knew surf, uh, but said, man, I, w- I watched this thing on YouTube. Wasn't like new surf, but wasn't, you know, wasn't it? I don't even know if they were a surfer. They just, but anyway, I don't, yeah, I probably not a surfer knew enough about surf, but not, you know, up to date with everything. But said, I watched the, this crazy YouTube thing all the time. And I, I was just waiting for Ben gravy. And he said, it's like, got these weird waves. And he said, Oh, it's weird waves. And I was like, there we go. Yeah, it's Dylan Graves. Sick. Like, not the Ben Graves. Not right. Sick. But, like, couldn't we give the Novelty Wave Award to Dylan Graves? Couldn't we say he's the Jake Burton? You could, except he has one-tenth the number of fans and viewers. If even that. Probably one-twentieth, to be honest. Well, can can we just push Dylan Graves a little harder then? Yeah, we should. Yeah. I, I've invited him on the podcast. I haven't heard back from him. Oh, Dylan, Like a month ago. I need, to, I need to push harder. But, uh, yeah. I like Dylan. But also, I will say, Ben, yes, Ben is progressing the sport in a, like, I'm sure there's more people surfing now on the Great Lakes and in tanker waves because of Ben Gravy. I got a DM from a guy who was, uh, he said he was on vacation. He was visiting his parents in South Carolina. And uh, there was going to be some waves. And so he went to a local surf shop to, like, rent a soft top and a wetsuit or something. And he said they were playing Ben Gravy's vlogs on the camera. He went to a couple shops. Ben Gravy vlogs everywhere on all the cameras. Ben Gravy soft tops. Ben Gravy clothing with the pineapple. It's fully pervasive in that community and that culture. And so uh, you and I can choose not to acknowledge it all we want, but you and I are the ones who are just looking at progress as the pointy thruster definition yep. where it's ha- something much bigger is happening everywhere else. How uh, how many people watched Ben Gravy's live streamed YouTube wedding? <laughs> did he really live stream it? I, I think so. <laughs> wow, I think uh, he did. I don't know, but I, yeah, I didn't even know that was happening. Somebody somebody told Incredible. me. Incredible. Somebody may have been may have been joking, but I I mean I don't doubt it at all. I don't doubt it at all either. Yeah. And good for him. I mean, yeah. honestly, if you're gonna lean into what he's doing, <laughs> yeah. lean in, lean all the way in. Yeah, Ben Gravy. Uh, what if uh, what if World Surf League? You heard. I mean, everything you're asking for. They said, fine. We're going to run everything through the filter of Ben Gravy. We Ben Gravy is now... You misunderstood my point. <laughs> what? He's an individual? Not he's man a, versus He's nature. a surfer? <laughs> he's man versus Great Lake. Uh, but I really do... I. It sounds flippant to say, like, is Ben the modern Reno? But I, I mean that literally. I think that the culture is going so wide that when you look back in 20 years, he will be used as this paragon of this cultural shift that happened. We're like, Reno was the short border, yeah. you know? And then that became a whole thing. There will be a whole wing of things From over ben. here, which is middle America surfing, which is wave parks, you know, pools yeah. are going to be a huge thing. Soft tops will be this entire, it already is an entire industry and thing. And Ben Gravy is the paragon. That's kind of true. 
I'll give it to you. He's the Reno. I'll give it to you. Today. I'll give it to you. And so we're in a renaissance of the individual because again, there's no corporate infrastructure that you have to rely on. It's all about just finding your own way and earning your own living. Where and he's doing it. I would like to hear from listeners on the East Coast, Middle America to live by surf shops. Like just out of curiosity, what like what percentage of the merch and stuff is Ben Gravy stuff? Yeah, I would like to know. Yeah. Here's what the most disheartening thing about this entire conversation to me is. The thought that in 2021, Ben Gravy will earn more money off of surfing than Julian Wilson or Clay Marzo. Well, but I mean, that's what the market wants. The market wants itself some Ben Gravy. <laughs> that is a disappointing indicator. I mean, it, it is and it isn't, I guess. You yeah. know, like it, it is what it is. But the fact that Clay Marzo, with all of his talent, I guess what it represents is, can you bottle your talent and sell it or not? Yeah. And it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you can't bottle and sell, Ben Gravy should sponsor Clay Marzo is what should happen. Power move, dude. Yeah. That would be the ultimate power move. How great would that be? Oh my gosh, that would be so smart. If Ben gave back, like if Ben said, hey, look, I'm doing my thing. I know that I'm this big tent and I know, you know, whatever. It may not appeal to these grouchy core guys, but here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give back by sponsoring one of the, every year he could do it. He could sponsor a, I mean, he could even make a fund for it probably. This is so genius. Yeah, Ben Gravy sponsors. This is when, the company grows big and starts to alienate the core. So then they acquire the small core company yep. to make sure that they're diverse, diverse, you know, and connecting with everybody. That is what Ben Gravy would do. Ben Gravy as an industry into himself, exactly. as a company of he's, his own. He's acquiring the small independent. Yep. That's what he should do. And Clay Marza would be the perfect example. Yeah. Do you think, do you think Clay, if Ben said, Clay, I'm sponsoring you, uh, you got to put a Ben Gravy pineapple sticker on the board. You know, we got to pay for this somehow. And you've got to, you know, wear the Ben Gravy pineapple t-shirt. Yes, I think he would. Yeah. I think Julian Wilson won it. Yeah. Julian, Julian would be like, I'm holding out for, you know, what Gillette or whatever he's holding out for. Oh, I mean, Julian could probably just say, I'm done. I've, you know, bought properties. I'm fine. I think he still wants for sure he still wants, but I'm sure, I mean. Uh, yeah, I agree like, with you. He's fine. He's not going to starve. Guys like Julian. I mean, I wonder if guys like Julian look at the era they came up in and then look at the landscape now and just think, I got so lucky. I got paid over a million dollars for many years based on really, you know, in Julian's case, great talent. But, I mean, just think of all the surfers that were getting over a million dollars a year during the two thousands into, I don't know when, what, what is the golden age of surfers getting maximum money for minimum, minimum, uh, talent 2000 to 2008, probably. Yeah. Where you could just, so any surfer who came up there. Yeah. Like if you could do a cutback, if you could do an air reverse. Yeah. Air I, reverse, you're guaranteed 300 grand a year. If you can do an air reverse and link a cutback 800, yep. you can throw a barrel in there. 1.2. It was simultaneous with Hurley being purchased by Nike. So them having those loose purse strings and Volcom being purchased by Caring Group. Yeah. It's kind of all that happening and everybody just 
shoveling money. Well, the fact that, I mean, yeah. Towards the magazines, towards athletes, towards all of it. The fact that Billabong and Quicksilver were two companies then. There's yeah. two whole separate companies. Totally. I, by Rick the way, um, there was another interview on Stab with, um, I think his name's Lucas Padua. Big Wave Server? Yeah. Uh, getting sponsored by Quicksilver recently. Okay. And I was like, it, well, that wasn't the focus of the article. The focus of the article was uh, he's living with Laird Hamilton. Oh. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, like full, learning, fully training under that whole paradigm. I've seen Lucas uh, in Laird Hamilton's Instagram posts. There you go. Yeah. And it was, you know, relatively interesting, the article. But one thing that I did find interesting was Lucas saying that one thing Laird taught him was like, who gives a crap about the surf industry? Like, you can exist, you can have a thriving professional surf career adjacent to all of that. And I just, all I do every day is wake up and I train and I take care of my family and I surf and that's all I want to do. And so I exist outside of the realm of any of that. And I thought, good for you guys, absolutely do that and um, pursue your passion. Be like Ben Gravy. Laird Hamilton is being yeah, like Ben Gravy. Totally. Or is Ben Gravy being like Laird Hamilton? Very different, to be honest, because I think Ben cares completely. Yeah. And I don't think that Laird cares at all. Ben wants to be part of the yes. surf industry. Yes. And, or, and also wants the validation of the fan base and all that sort of stuff. I think Laird said, I'm going to ignore the fan base and the industry and go do this and I'll figure out a way to promote it to those people. But I don't give a crap with those people. Those people will follow me because I'm doing me. Yeah. I think Ben is still kind of looking for uh, feedback all the time. You know, how, direction. How far can Ben go? Like that's a, I think about that all the time. When does, when does him surfing Waco on a soft top get where people just start turning it off? Like they're not mad at him. They just had their fill. I trust that he can, um, continue to evolve because he is surfing. Like when Jersey's pumping, he's surfing head high barrels, yeah. you know, I think he can continue to evolve that. I think more what I would worry about for him is how long can you be smiling ear to ear, radiating positivity and talking to a camera Yeah, and pulling back the veil of your personal life? Well, now he's married, so he's got a co-star. Which she might not be so keen on the life. Like there, there becomes a point in your life where you just don't want to be on camera anymore. And if that is your currency, you've backed yourself into a corner. Well, I mean, do you think Ben ever, ever wakes up and says, oh, no. What have I wrought? I have no idea. Ben Gravy. If get, he hasn't. We can get Ben on the show. We had Ben on Dirty Water. I know. I remember that. <laughs> I've thought about it. Um, moving on, I suppose. Let's yeah. move on just in this interest of time. Uh, Greg Long versus Matt Biolas. Mm. I know Derek wrote this piece, but did you follow it? I sure did. Okay. Uh, lay, lay the landscape out for us. So. It. Well, first of all, before you lay the landscape, is... Biolis aiming to stunt double for Jonah Hill as Jerry Garcia. How good is that? How good is that photo? Somebody DM'd me that photo. Me too, yeah. It was so brilliant. They nailed it. Yeah. Well, the funny thing was I had seen Matt Biolis's post in front of the waterfall, and I thought, this is the peak Biolis that I was telling you about yeah. at the boardroom show that you need to witness. And he's advertising it on Instagram. And then 20 minutes later, the side-by-side -side came through. So and it's good. Like, oh, my God. So is Biolis going to play? He could, he could stunt double. This is the thing, though, is I can't imagine that Matt Biolis likes the Grateful Dead at all. It uh, would fly in the face of everything that Lost stood for in the 
especially when it, you know, the nineties aughts, like, I mean, lost was a punk brand. It wasn't There was no grateful dead collabs at lost. That's a good point. And so maybe he's mellowed, maybe this new look, maybe ayahuasca journeys or something have opened his doors of perception where now he's a grateful dead fan, but I would very much doubt it. Well, then he needs to shave and cut his hair. Kind of. Because he's going to get lumped in with Jerry Garcia real quick here. Yep. Especially when the biopic comes out. Yep. He should go back to classic, classic Matt. Yeah. Adolescence only. Exactly. Uh, I do like that Scott. Do you remember Scott Hewlett when we were in Florida? We were in the van. I don't know where we were going. And he just, he ripped Grateful Dead. Like in the way that Big Lebowski rips the Eagles. Yep. Just turn the effing channel. Not the effing Eagles, man. Yeah. Yeah. Hewlett was just like, F the Grateful Dead. Hewlett tore into them profoundly and beautifully. It was like poetic rage <laughs> that Hewlett is not a, a, not that he's not talkative, but like he's not just, yeah, shooting his g- gums off about everything. But uh, in a crowded environment like that, he'll s- sit back and listen. Yeah. But man, he tore, took the lead of that conversation. Tore the Grateful Dead apart. I forgot about that. Yeah. Which I was like, wait, wait, wait. How do you hate the what's to hate? Oh, he's like hateable. all the fans yeah. going to every concert. Like, who needs a twelve minute song? What's that all about? You they, know, they, they are like, totally hateable. I'll, I, I'm I'm with Hewlett on this one. Well, the, except that I don't hate them. Yeah, you know, like I I agree with all of that. The that surrounds. Yeah, all of it that surrounds the, the Grateful music. Dead. I'm anti. I agree. That's very hateable. John Mayer is now their lead singer. Yeah. So hateable. all of that's hateable. hateable. Except I listen to their music and I go, that's a good song. Really? Yeah. Great musicians, good music. Trucking. Not my favorite. Uh, that's not my favorite. Uh, yeah, that's not my favorite. Bad news. But anyway. Uh, what about Touch of Grey? Uh, no, don't like it. Do you know the song? Yeah. Okay. I'll play it for you if you don't. It's a great song. Touch of Grey. Come on. Let me play it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're searching. Um, you'll know it instantly. Oh yeah, don't like it. Hate it. Such a great jam. Are we allowed to play songs in the podcast? I get I get notifications from Spotify every really? once in a while. <laughs> I have one today that I gotta I gotta deal with. Oh yeah, no, don't like it. Don't like Touch Gray. Don't like any of their songs. I, I did go, I'll admit, uh, had a record player, lived in Los Angeles, had a record player, had a couple of Grateful Dead records. They'd make it into the rotation, but I renounce that past. And uh, yeah. Okay. But Biola should change his look. Okay. Well, also him versus Greg. So Greg uh, went on to Instagram and posted, it seemed pretty like, didn't wasn't like a crazy call to action, was it? It was like, let's just be better climate people, right? And preserve the earth. What did you have the exact quote in front of you? The fossil fuel industry is destroying our oceans and the future exclamation point, despite being just days after this climate conference where global leaders agreed to urgent need for climate action and ecological preservation on December 1st, shell oil will begin a catastrophic seismic surveying off the coast of South Africa in search for oil and gas deposits. Then he talks about this specific mission and he said it's time. So there's no call to action, but he says it's time we hold government and industry accountable. We need systemic change 
that protects our natural world rather than exploiting it. Yes. And so from a surfer, he writes for Patagonia, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. A surfer, especially who rides for Patagonia, none of this seems, you know, crazy. It's not like perfectly he's... Perfectly in line with his brand. Perfectly in line with his brand, with his own, seems like his own personal ethos, all fine and good. Matt Biolis comes swinging in with the, maybe I could take you seriously if you stop flying around the world and having wetsuits made from petrochemicals and blah, 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 right? Yeah. Sort of the standard response of you're a hypocrite and so I'm not going to listen to you. Yep. Where I thought the... Beach Grit comments really plucked it apart properly. Uh, the whole argument of, you know, it's one thing to kind of be a straight hypocrite, but it's another thing to expect somebody to have, you know, be basically perfect to be able to speak on something, right? Like, totally. which, like as if Greg Long has to be a perfectly virtuous vegan living off the grid, off the grid, in order to have an opinion about Shell Oil. Yep, precisely, precisely. Where, yeah, uh, Matt to me. I love as much as anyone uh, whacking up, you know, on Kelly Slater or whatever for like greenwashing is one thing. Uh, what Greg Long was not, I, you know, I hate greenwashing. I hate any kind of like, I don't hate it, but it's like stupid, right? Yeah. Or, or any performative anything, right? Like is lame. Any kind of virtue signaling is lame. Greg Long was not virtue signaling here. He was talking about something that's happening in a place that he loves to surf, right? He yep. goes to South Africa a lot. Uh, and yeah, for, for Matt to say, well, you drive a car. So I know. talk talk to me when you don't drive a car anymore. Um, the quote from Matt's comment that Derek posted in the headline says, uh, we need thousands of Elon Musk types ballsy enough to recreate the industrialized world, which will take 50 plus years at least in transition. We still need lots of oil or millions of people will starve and go unclothed mm -hmm. saying we require this oil for the way that we exist in the world. But I think that's exactly what Greg was saying. Greg was saying we need systemic change yep. and it's Greg wasn't attacking you know, some alternative clothing company that's a competitor of his employer, Patagonia, or anything like that. He's, Shell is one of the world's biggest offenders and biggest beneficiaries of this economy that we live in that is so super dependent upon this oil. And so they're the ones that you have to hold accountable. It's I'm, totally okay to hold that person accountable. And I mean, I think- And to say to the public, to your fan base, hey, we need systemic change. And for- Let's not go down this road anymore. Yeah, Matt's line sort of presupposes that uh, that big oil is uh, benevolent. Right. That they're they're doing it to clothe people. Right. And to feed people, and it's a real bummer that this is a dirty thing, you know. And we're wishing that we could be off it, but what are we going to do, right? Right. Uh, but ignoring the fact that these companies are worth trillions of dollars, the system's totally broken. We're all no matter how virtuous we want to be, we cannot live off the grid entirely. We cannot not use petrochemicals entirely. And so we're all going to support and spend money with Shell, whether we want to or not. And so I think it's, it's great that they're having this discourse. Sure. It's actually never happens on social media. Social media is a place to not, to just like take the quick whatever attack so I love that Greg was making a statement. I appreciate that Biolis didn't just attack and actually gave a counterpoint. Yep. It was just a very 
misdirected. Like Biolis's uh, argument was all was first of all very easy and lame, kind of. Yeah, and misdirected because go ahead and attack somebody who's being just a, a social signaler. justice, yeah, uh, virtue signal, virtue signaler. Uh, Greg's actually making a fu fully like doing what he should be doing as a Patagonia ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I do want to talk about Patagonia. Uh, they are kind of the epitome of the example of they started in the exact right place with their heart in the right place and all of that in terms of being environmentally, whatever. But can you maintain that position at the size that they are? So from what I hear, from what I hear and I hear maybe more than the average person a little bit, not a ton. I don't sit on, you know, in the boardroom, but I hear that Patagonia is a properly does their very best, like really is actively pursuing, uh, what you know, they're li living by their mission statement. And somebody works for Patagonia, call in and tell me I'm wrong. And that it's just a all, all show, but I don't think it is. I, I, think I don't they, think it's a show. I don't think, I think they actually do. I agree. They do their best Yeah, at the size that they're at. Even their best is doing, I'm questioning if even their best is doing damage for sure. I mean, I think that I'm sure that they plant, you know, X amount of trees for every, like I'm sure there's offsets through the whole thing, but I think there's no way to traipse across this earth and not cause damage. Right. Like to we create clothing and not cause damage precisely. Yeah. And so what are you going to do? Right. And I, I don't think that, they would even argue that no, we're, we're we're a net positive, you know, on the world in the world. But maybe they might be. They, Patagonia as a company could be doing more good than harm. By of course, the, it's a negative by you know producing anything. But on the plus, you know, people are more aware and recycling. Like a greater amount of people are probably more environmentally conscious conscious because Patagonia is a company then uh, they would be if Patagonia did not exist. And if you're going, we're, by you purchasing clothing from us, you're not purchasing it from H&M. Yeah, exactly. You know, who is perpetuating the cycle. Which again, and so I don't really know, but I, but from everything I hear, I think that Patag Patagonia is yeah. actually virtuous. Not just virtue, not just virtue signaling. Right. Yes. Or attempting, really attempting to be virtuous. Doing, doing their absolute best. Doing their, yeah. their um, trying to make the right decision at every little turn. But yeah, bigger you get, harder it gets, right? Like, how can you be a, I mean, I don't know. I guess that's kind of the point of my question is, if they were truly virtuous, there would be a point where they realize, or where they say, we're going to stop our own growth. Yeah. We are going to remain this size because we've hit this fulcrum. That's the crazy thing though. I think in, in a, capitalist society i don't think you can i don't think there's any i think you're either growing or shrinking i don't think you can maintain size i mean i suppose it could be argued maybe that in and out hamburgers sort of did i mean now they're in vegas and arizona and stuff but in and out has not franchised across the united states right i can it, name wineries that cap but there's and, only and they and but it's like that drives, they earn more money next Precisely. year because it drives the cost of, of course. the product. I mean, I suppose Patagonia could say, you know, we're only going to do 10 jackets this year and each one of those jackets would be worth 50,000 bucks or whatever. But Which I guess some, I mean, I mean, fat high, companies do. I mean, Hermes does that. Yeah. Like that's why Hermes is, but Patagonia ain't no Hermes. It's funny, the people who call it Patagucci and stuff, I never understood. 
because like, I suppose it's price point is higher, but Patagonia doesn't seem like a ridiculously high price point to me, A. And B, they're not making a fashion product like Gucci. You got to realize the vast majority of human beings on the planet, the difference between Patagonia and Gucci, there is no difference. Yeah, it's just a, used it's to something that they won't can't afford or don't it, want exactly. to afford. If they're buying their clothes at Target or Costco and they're paying $15 for a pair of jeans, then the fact that Patagonia is 100 and Gucci's a thousand is negligible. Okay. Those are both unattainable. Got it. That's got it. Got it. it. But and Patagonia, that's the vast majority of people. On Patagonia the doesn't have like a crazy high price point. Does it compared to the jeans from Costco, but c- compared yeah. to a surf brand though, like is, is a Patagonia t-shirt? I, I don't know. <laughs> a lot more than a Quicksilver t-shirt. No, it's gotta be like maybe 10 bucks more. Right. I think it's more. Who knows? Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, that's okay. So that's a good question, but it is more. But which is great, though, right? Like the again for the but all to say, if Patagonia can continue to grow and take market share from less sustainable companies, right? And I'm not talking from surf industry companies. Let's just let's say all surf industry companies are all beautiful stewards of the of the earth. Uh, but if they can take you know market share from I don't know Nike like companies that you know just manufacture in China exclusively and clearly don't care right yeah then isn't it good for Patagonia to keep growing yes because that's a, you're assuming if that's they're taking they, market share from those bad actors then yes you assume they're not taking market share from little mom and pops little yes. uh, they're still they're still creating a carbon footprint but it's a lesser carbon footprint than those so there's actually kind of a net gain that's what i'm saying so i wonder wonder if patagonia being on this earth makes this earth greener yes based on that equation they make it uh less brown (laughs) than the other actors uh so team greg long yeah uh I mean, I think Greg was being very earnest and had a very earnest thing that to say. I think you're exactly right. Like demonizing big oil is they don't care. Like it's and yes, thing at Greg calling for systematic change or systemic systemic change. Uh, yes, it, everybody knows that needs to happen, right? Yeah. And of course, we need to wean ourselves off fr- of oil of fossil fuels and all this kind of stuff. So Matt going in and saying. Hey, hypocrite, you drive a car, stop flying, stop wearing rubber. Uh, So I do, again, I like the discourse. Um, I wonder sometimes with Joel Tudor or even with Matt now, how much are they doing it just to kind of stay in the conversation, to maintain relevance, to boost the algorithm? I don't know. I mean, I think like he could have easily not engaged it. in that conversation well, or texted Greg and just been like, Hey, consider these things. Well, I mean, that, doing it publicly like that really makes me feel like they just want their hat in the ring constantly. But that's the, that's the wonder for me of anyone who has social media, right? Yeah. Like anyone who has social media clearly wants their voice heard. I mean, with Joel, give an example, Tudor, uh, we wanted him on dirty water on the podcast or Derek wanted to interview him. And he got real mad and said, are you out of your mind? Basically sent a long text back to Derek. Like, absolutely not. You drag my name through beach crib, you know, whatever it was a 
fine enough accusation, but I was thinking, what are you talking about? You, well, I drag your, or we drag your name through Beach Creek. You're the one posting publicly all the time. Like yeah. if you don't, it's not like I'm going to your house and waking you up and saying, Hey, Joel, tell me something salacious that I can go post. Like, right. so somebody having being frustrated that their public statement gets bullhorned, don't make a public statement if you don't want it. Like, I don't think Matt cares. Right. But so I think that if you have social media at all, like Matt could clearly say, and Joel could say, I need to for my personal brand, right? Like, or my actual brand, uh, the, you know, I need to do this. This is a necessary evil, all fine and good. So I bet that's why Matt probably thinks this is part of my business. This is how I reach customers and I do have opinions. And so, you know what, I'm going to have some fun too. Yep. Well, like, good for him. Got to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's great. I love that Matt pops off. I, I would love a more, Matt should have taken a more uh, vigorous defense of big oil. I would love to see somebody like, these guys are great. Yeah. We are great because of them. And that's kind of what I wonder if Joel is doing a lot of the time. Yeah. Because a lot of times Joel's stance is like completely contradictory to something he said last week, yeah. you know? And I mean, the, but the fact that Joel gets frustrated at Beach Grit for yeah. reposting his stances is right. seems like there's just a straight disconnect. True. All right. Commercial break time. Let's do it. Chaz, today's episode is brought to you by Whoop, the digital personal fitness tracker and health coach. 4.0, David Lee. There to the 4.0. So how is your experience? I know you've been training jujitsu. You've been tracking your surfing for well over a month now, maybe two months. What's How's your experience been? It has changed my life and I ain't kidding. Like the, I was, I realized how much of a blob I was before <laughs> whoop whipped me, whipped me every morning. Uh, and so now I honestly wake up uh, and try to get or purpose to get my whoop. First, it was just try to get it above 10 on the strain scale. So they, yeah, the whoop thing measures strain recovery and sleep. Uh, I've been mostly interested in my strain getting up above 10. It's on a scale of 21. And now I'm going to try to start hitting for like 14s, 15s. That's where I am. I'm a healthy Epic. man. I'm a fitter man. Surfing better. I run now, David Lee. I go Crazy. jog. I thought for a second that I was going to be able to break a four-minute mile. That's how. What? Yeah, that's how Woo hyped me up. Uh, and I just gave it a real go today. I've been like running every day and thought, okay, run for a month now. It's time for me to break the four-minute mile. Uh, I ran as fast as I could for a mile, and I hit like a seven-minute mile. So I got to shave three minutes there, but I feel with whoop, I can do it. It's a long three minutes, my friend. <laughs> um, you know, who else is a really avid, he's like a marathoner. I think he's done one or two marathons is CJ. Oh, is he? He's a major runner. Love it. Siege. I wonder if Siege must whoop them. Yeah. And talk to him about shoes too, if you need advice on shoes. Oh, I so, <laughs> so whoop, um, they make the today's show possible. You can monitor, as Chaz says, your recovery, your sleep, your training, your health, and personal get personalized recommendations and coaching feedback with Whoop. It comes as a strap on your wrist. They have the new 4.0 version, which is sleeker, slimmer. It offers more feedback. And again, there's no notifications. There's no screen on it. 
it all, it sends all of that information to an app on your phone that you can get all of that information from, and then you can share it with your coach, physician, personal trainer, anybody. So what is, what has fatherhood done to your whoop strain? The strain is way down and actually sleeping is very interrupted as well. So I'm going to say that my current whoop, um, data is not reflective of my actual overall health, but it is what it is. It's situational chess. Yep. Um, but whoop.com is where you go. You enter the promo code surf and you'll save 15% at checkout. And you'll also get the 4.0 strap for completely free. Amazing deal. And it will change your life too. Whoop.com. Whoop.com promo code surf. Today's show is also brought to you by Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition really, really simple. Use athleticgreens.com slash surf to support us and get a year supply of vitamin D immunity boost for free. Guess who's paranoid again, David Lee? Who? Me. I'm down to like five packs of Athletic Green. Okay. Athletic Greens left, AG, and... I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm feeling I'll scared. I'll okay, I need more. I need more. Athletic Greens is like a drug. It really is. I I just realized right now I owe Cersei that contact as well. So I'll send that to you guys after the show. And Great. I will, in that email, tell them to send you more AG1. Um, the And so talking about my sleep or having a newborn in the house, you know, nutrition can easily be the very first thing to kind of suffer and that you would sacrifice to save time, this makes sure that you never do. It is the super easy one scoop. I mean, 20 seconds is all that it takes. I just drank mine during this show. You dump one scoop of powder. It's all whole foods, pulverized into a green powder, 75 vitamins, minerals, nutrients, covers your complete kind of dietary need. Um, multivitamins, multimineral, probiotic, superfood, greens, and more that fills all the gaps in your diet, supports energy, focus, aids with gut and health, digestion, supports a healthy immune system, blah, 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 so much more. Organic New Zealand. That's all you need to say. They do That's it better. The, than uh, yeah. They did everything better. They did a drive through New Zealand as well. They did. They, they should have been, they should do it again with Athletic Greens, AG1 aboard. Fueling the mission. So yep. to support us and to seek optimal health, athleticgreens.com slash surf. You won't regret. All right, Chaz, back from commercials. I hope everyone in their car just locked in the teeth of traffic right now are just feel relief, feel enjoyment about hearing about Ben Gravy a lot, about, you know, big oil and how great it is. I just press your gas pedal down a little bit right now, even in traffic, just fill that air with the smell of success. I agree. Um, we got a listener line call for our first barrel and awe. Would you like to hear it? Sure would. Hi, David. My daughter decided to move out of a flat up country. So I borrowed a mate's trailer and took her out on the road to get some practice in towing. We are in the neighbourhood when I pointed out to her that the sign on the corner of Beach Street and Barrywall Street was still blown over from the strong offshores we had two weeks ago. She looked at me and said, 
That Beach Street sign would be really worth having. I know. It's ours. We're going to nick it. So we went off and did some trailer training for half an hour and came back around 10.30 at night. I set up some ground rules. Once we're out of the car, no talking. You'd take the sign end, I'll take the concrete block end. We'll put it in the trailer, I'll tie it down, and then we're out of there. So we got back in the car and drove off. And we're about to do an illegal U-turn in an intersection when two carloads of boy racers came flying around the corner, drifting their way off down the street, causing some red and blue lights to illuminate. They pulled them over, I took a deep breath, and we drove straight by. We got the sign home, I floated it, and we looked at it on the grass. There, proudly on one side, it said Barry Ball Street, and on the other side, it said Barry Ball Street. No beach street to be seen at all. So Chaz, barrel or nah? Father-daughter bonding sessions will be on the age of necessity. Always barrel. But liberating, surf-related, memorabilia and paraphernalia. Barrel or nah? Needless to say, we took the sign back three days later. Names, ages and relative parenting skills withheld to protect the innocent story from New Zealand. I want this reader to honestly read my bedtime story every night. This listener, I mean, like how beautiful was that? I know. The pacing, the tone, every part of that story. I was just, yeah. Captivated. Captivated. And that for our listeners stuck in traffic, that will be their moment of bliss right there. They just rewind that part. There you go. Uh, So they, they wanted to steal a street sign that had the word beach on it. Went Developed a plan, came back at night, threw it in the car. Then police came around the corner. They thought they were going to get pulled over. Turns out they were chasing somebody else. Finally got the sign home after all that effort. Didn't even have the word beach on it. It was the name of the other street that was at the corner. And total barrel also on, uh, let's call it light crime with your, <laughs> with, with your uh, victimless, crime. victimless crime with your children. Is so much fun. I mean, trespassing, awesome. Uh, like egging stuff, probably pretty cool. I've never egged. I mean, that's not really victimless, but you know that kind of thing. Water ballooning, maybe. Uh, toilet papering. Public drunkenness. Public drunkenness is great. Uh, like smashing a a oh, it's like kicking over an e-bike. That's good. Uh, there's a lot of good things. I, funny enough, stole a street sign with my daughter too. Did you really? Yeah. What street sign? Just the one out front. <laughs> like what? It, it what blew it down. Say? Just Somerset and oh okay. I don't know if it was st- stealing, but yeah, the thing, the bummer is the thing is just sitting in my yard now, exactly like off kilter in the back corner of the yard, and I don't know what I'm ever going to do with it. It sounds like a fun idea at the moment. I mean, it, yeah, mine didn't take any. It just blew down, and I thought, oh, look, there's a sign, and just went and picked it up and threw it in the yard. So it wasn't a, it wasn't an adventure like this. I've but. got a better barrel or not that relates to this that somebody actually happened to send last week as well, and it was um, decorating to advertise that you're a surfer, and he sent me a clip of he's watching uh, some financial news show. 
and there's the ticker tape running at the bottom and there's the analyst talking to somebody in the little window television screen down below. And the guy that he was talking to had a sign behind him that said, pray for surf. Oh man. Like this financial analyst for some, you know, hedge fund who has a sign on his wall saying, pray for surf. So decorating for surfing barrel or not. I'm going to say I'm feeling uh, charitable today. I'm going to say barrel. Really? Yeah. I'm if gonna you s- steal the sign with your daughter, it's barrel. Yeah. But if you, d- if you put a sign up that says pray for surf or surfer crossing and it has the guy with the surfboard, you Uh-oh. know, the yellow sign with the black lettering. Uh Oh, um, any of that. Uh, huh. what about, okay. What's the limit? Like are we t- surf art? Does it, does that count as decorating for surf? Like no. a Leroy Granis? No, that does not count. Photo? It has to have text on it. Okay. So it's some sort of textual reference that yeah. I surf. Yeah. Uh, that you didn't liberate because liberating is Correct. barrel. This is you purchased it from Bed Bath & Beyond. Yeah. Then no. I was, I was feeling charitable. Now I'm feeling grouchy again. No. Yep. yep. No text. Our, our um, buddy at who used to be a spy sunglasses, Charlie, he messaged me and said that his wife tried to buy him. Like when they first met, she tried to buy him a sign that was like the surfer crossing one yeah. to pray for surf or whatever. And he just looked at her aghast and yeah. just like had to set her straight. No, like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's really and now, true. Now years into their marriage with kids, she pokes fun at other people that have those signs. Good. You know? He, he taught her up. Well, yeah, there is a surfer crossing sign, uh, on the block, Next over, somebody put it up like an actual street sign. No way. Yeah, which Funny. I'll have to wait till the next wind blows and go nick that one. <laughs> like the signs that say children, slow children at play or yep. whatever. Um, all right, cool. I'm going not on this for sure just yep. because, yeah. The, when fewer, you, the fewer people that know that I surf, the better as far as I'm concerned. When, uh, when are you going to start going and participating in light crime with Austin? We might start tomorrow for Thanksgiving. It's a good idea. Why? It's a great, Why wait? Great place to do it too. Yeah. We'll do it at uh, the in-laws' house. Yeah, good. <laughs> Tag the back, vandalize yep. the backyard. Perfect. Uh, barrel or not? Discussing politics and religion at Thanksgiving. I'm gonna say barrel. Yeah, I think so too. Like people who are scared of that stuff, like it's we can have different opinion, different opinions. It's okay. Like we can. I mean, I get if you're gonna get super riled up, if you're the kind of person that is going to lose your stuff, if you get into a debate, then sure, don't, right? That's and, where it's no barrel. Yeah, and don't take the bait yeah. when somebody does start, like, know thyself and just keep your mouth shut. But why not just have a conversation? Like, what else is, I mean, the fact that we think or that the rule is empty talk is what we're supposed to fill the room with. Who would you want to have meaningful conversation with more than your loved ones yeah. than your family. You know yeah. what I mean? So yes, the idea that no, they're family. So we're going to keep it superficial is such a weird ver- uh, posture to have. If you went into your in-laws tomorrow, or I guess they're not in-laws yet, but yeah. more or less you got a kid with in-laws. Yeah. Uh, would you like, I won't peg them what their politics are, but if you went extreme one or the other and put it, put it on, uh, like just for play, how would it go over? Not well. Yeah. They would be polite. Yeah. They would be polite and then be super disappointed if after you, we left. If you walked in, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> would they like just tell you to leave? 
Or would they say? No, 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 no. They'd be very polite. They're very polite people. And uh, they might ask me a question or two to probe yeah. to feel what my real views are. And yep. um, then they would probably leave it alone. Will you Will you talk religion or politics tomorrow? Uh, no, I won't bring it up. But I guess the reality is I feel more than comfortable. Our, our views are not so divergent that it would actually create a conflict. Yep. And I'm sure that there is nuance of difference but I feel comfortable communicating why I feel the way I do about both those religion and politics that I would be more than comfortable sharing that and they would feel comfortable communicating back and we would accept one another. I'm going to caveat this with a no barrel. If everyone in the room has the exact same opinion, if it's just, if you're making an echo chamber and everybody is like going big on the echo chamber, that is so boring. Like sitting around a table, listening to people like throw out, really like totally silly unchecked things that everybody just feeds on. Yeah. Like we're just raising the, their own temperature just for the sake of it is boring. But I want to say barrel and reiterate for listeners, use this time to have meaningful conversation yeah. with family. Yeah. Don't, there's nothing off limits. If you're grace filled, you yep. know, gracious and accepting of other people's viewpoints. So true. So have at engage, it. Be passionate and be grace-filled. Be It's okay for people to disagree. Completely. You don't have to hate each other. Completely. The idea that you would actually hate your mother, father, sister, brother, child because they like Trump or yeah. dislike Trump is insane. It almost means you love Trump more than them. You know, but it, like. But it's a, a, so many people. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like the fact that we're still talking about this, he's been out of office. Well, I just I, used him because no, he was I know, so but divisive. It's, but it's but, still true. Like, yeah. I think he's still divisive out yeah. of office for yeah. all this time, and yeah. he is still divisive. Crazy. Yeah. All right. Barrel. Barrel, discuss. Um, barrel or not, reptile owners. Ooh. I told you my iguana story. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. I'm going to go on that alone. I'm going to go, I'm going to go barrel. I don't want to, but I I, I have been a reptile owner. That's right. Yeah. I can't, I'm not going to, yeah. Curse my, that past. Like I do my past listening to the grateful dead once or twice. I, um, watched tiger King season two, the whole thing. Yeah. You binged. Yeah. Is it great? I've got a lot of time at home right now with yeah. a baby and feeding and stuff. So yes, it's phenomenal. As good as season one. Yeah. It's funny. I saw it and I thought, what in the world? There's no story left. So much has happened since then. Okay. So much has happened okay. since then. Lawsuits every which way, yeah. jail time, uh, deeper investigation into Carol Baskin murdering her husband, which yeah. as crazy as Joe Exotic is and these outlandish claims that he's made, he might be right about a lot of this stuff. Yeah. He's equally as crazy, but I mean, there's so much evidence about Carol Baskin murdering her husband. Is she, is she going to get locked up at some point? The investigation is still open. Okay. And they interview the guy, the detective or the FBI, whatever, and uh, investigator. And he can't talk about so much of it, Yeah, but they do interview him. And then they present the evidence that they've unearthed on their own. And they go, what about this? And he goes, that's part of the investigation. Yeah. And it's very incriminating. Yeah. You know? So more to come. I'm sure there'll be a season three because these stories are still developing. Uh, it's well worth watching. But the point is they talk about how crazy big cat owners are. Yeah. Which is true. 
totally crazy. But I was like, man, reptile owners. I've never encountered a reptile owner, like a passionate reptile owner who I was like, wanted to be friends with. If you, I mean, are you talking, are we talking here? Like having a bunch of reptiles, like you got your, sometimes it's just one, but they carry it on their shoulder. Yeah. They go to the boardwalk at the beach and they have with an iguana their, on their, their shoulder. bearded dragon. Yes. Uh, I don't need to be friends with that guy. If you own a snake, that's super weird to me. Why would you want a snake? That's kind of a good you know point. What I mean? It's kind of a good point. What, okay, well, what about... Forget a, about a crocodile a, or something. What about bird owners then? Less weird. Somebody that's who has a, a African gray. Somebody who locked up a creature that's supposed I, to be flying free. I mean, an argument could be made that that's a whole different weird breed of people as well, <laughs> but not as weird as the reptiles. I mean, I'll give it to you. Because the reptiles just got very little redeeming quality. Except... The bird will sing to you. The bird's going to kind of like, there's a certain beauty in the flight. The reptile, no redeeming quality. Uh, and really almost evil. There's kind of an evilness that goes with a reptile. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to get bib biblical about it. I mean, I'll, I will. And the fact you have to, I'll, I will hear you. The fact you have to feed many reptiles, pinkies. Do you know what a pinky is? No. Uh, pinky is a newborn baby mouse okay. that doesn't have hair yet or yeah. I think claws or anything. So totally they can eat them. Yeah. So you're, you're perpetually feeding little pink babies to your, yeah, that's gross. I'm going to, okay. No barrel. I got it. I new, renounce my past. Brand new epiphany that I just had right now. There's no name for any reptile that sounds good or makes any sense. Bearded dragon is pretty gross. Well, well no, an actual name, you know, like once you have a pet, you have to name it. Oh Yeah. Steven, the reptile, Steven, the bearded dragon. Like think about. I had a lizard named Lloyd once. Still weird. That's <laughs> super weird. Like what is that? Um, not personification, but what's the word for adding human elements yeah, to uh, a, uh, uh, inanimate? I yeah. guess they're not inanimate, but. Shoot. But, but yeah. adding that, adding a human name to a dog makes sense. Yeah. To a bird even makes sense. Adding a human name to a reptile, to a reptile whether it be snake or four-legged or whatever, is crazy. Greg. Do you think... Greg the iguana. Do you think most reptile owners have named their... Yeah. You think so? They all have names, I'm sure. <laughs> they have to. Once it becomes a pet, you have to name it. And so think about it. Like, <laughs> like my dog's name is Sophia. Sophia the snake? Yeah. It doesn't... There's alliteration that works, but it doesn't... When I look at the snake, I can't think of it as Sophia. But if what if you name your snake Pliskin? No, that's, that's pretty still, cool. That's the most normal I've heard, but it still doesn't. It's still crazy to me. <laughs> Adding a human name to Pliskin a reptile is totally crazy. It's pretty good. But is Pliskin a name? Whose name is that? Snake Pliskin. Uh, escape from New York. Escape from oh. uh, Kurt. Uh, oh, okay. The movies. Yeah. Okay. Snake Pliskin. Pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool actor. Yeah. I'm Kurt going. I'm, I'm going reptile owners. Full gnaw across the board. Send I'm gonna, your hate mail. I'm a, I'm going to. I went yes, I went no, I'm going to stay. I want a reptile-owning listener to convince me that it's a barrel. I'm on the fence. Call in. Yeah. Call in and convince us. You have two minutes. The number is 760-273-0150. Do it from the car, in traffic, with your water dragon on your shoulder right now. And your family in the car. Yeah. Super annoyed. <laughs> like, why is this guy bringing this thing to... If you show up at Thanksgiving with a reptile... Dude, you deserve to be exiled from the family. Um, there was a good meme too about, it was like, this Thursday, 
there will be an uncle bragging to his family about how he was at the Capitol riots oh, man. and got away with it. And a niece or nephew who gonna quietly him reports in. him to the FBI. What do you think about that? About family members reporting their family members who stormed or who were in the Capitol. It is crazy to me that well, anyone would do that. It's insane to me that you would turn in yeah. a family member, like disagree with the, that action all you want, right? Like if it indicates there was already uh dis kind of whatever in the family itself. Sure. You are that that uh niece hated that uncle but already. Straight up narking him out for hated like him already. jail Looking time for an out, opportunity to narc. To send him to jail. She like, had read his Facebook post for five years and was enraged. So by the time she had something that she could narc about. She just jumped on it. I mean, it's crazy town though. The I amount know. of family eating family over that. I mean, and I'm not making my position here. I'm not saying that whatever. I mean, that he should have should have been the capital. should have been in there. But like, imagine the amount of people kind of caught up in the moment who just like happened to get sort of pushed through the door and then oh cool I'm in the capital right. I yeah, mean I, I guess can, we're getting away with it. I can fully yeah. fully. Imagine being in DC then, not having anything to do with the protest, walking to say, oh man, what's this commotion on the steps, walking in, doors all open, things going crazy, and just like wandering in, and then, whoa, now, now you're arrested. Your yeah. niece turned you in. Yeah. You're arrested as a- You're liberal. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy town. It's going to happen. I for it's sure. It's going to happen tomorrow. It's good. Yeah. Uncles, keep your mouth shut. Yeah, or call in your story about yeah. how you Got disbanded your family <laughs> on Thanksgiving. Those are the listener line calls we want next week, actually. Yeah. What blew up at your family Thanksgiving so dinner? So true. And give us the two-minute rundown. So true. Listener line, 760-237-0150. Call in. Um, and push your dinner back to five. Yep. At five earliest. If five you, at the earliest. If you can get away with six, 630, you're golden. Go ahead, invite people over for cocktail hours starting at two. Totally. Avoid nuts. Avoid nuts. Uh, I would, yeah. And avoid the turkey. Avoid the turkey. Yep. Done. Yep. All right, Chess, this has been a very productive show. Good work. Well, hope everybody enjoyed it. Yeah, album surfboards. I didn't mention, we are, I mean, today we're particularly surrounded by, there's beautiful asymmetrical boards behind you against the wall. We're just surrounded. By gorgeousness. Every time I come in here, I stop and gaze at the beauty of the surfboards on the racks, on the floor, Everywhere. There's, this place is inundated. It has a surfboard problem. It really does. You should come this, liberate some surfboards from this here. surfboard right here. I came in and I'm like, that's I need that's my next surfboard. Yeah, it's that. really sick. That volume in the nose or the way that it has the whatever's the amount of foam in the nose seems like it'd be pretty fun. The thickness, the rails, everything seemed perfect for me for this. And I was like, I, I guess I'll order one today. Yeah. I'm like, do I need to spend a thousand dollars on a surfboard today? Hell no. But that looks like a loner. Guess what? It, it has wax on it already. It's my exact size. And if you're smart, guess what you can do with that loaner? Keep it forever. Make it yours. Keep it forever. <laughs> That's a luxury that you and I are the only two people on the planet that have. And we really need to take advantage of it. It's almost a crime that we don't I, more often. Don't worry, I have. Okay. I gotta, you're doing enough for garage, both garage. No, I got to bring so many back. Poor Matt. All right. Well, albumsurf.com. Thanks. Matt Parker sitting right behind you. Legend. Yeah, total legend. Uh, all right, Chaz, until... Next week. Get barrel. I love that we don't even take time off. Look at this. We no really holiday don't. time for us. Get barrel.
When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.